1: Hey everybody! Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank Larosa. I am your host, Frank Larosa. Obviously, I'm your host, um, and I am joined once again uh, by the the owner of Extraordinary Financial Advisors, which is a an advisor coaching company, John Randall. John, thanks for being on again. How are you doing?
0: Doing awesome, Frank. Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to part two and getting in some real action here.
1: Yeah, this is great. So uh, for those of you uh, that are just joining us, uh, we already recorded one uh, one episode. Uh, called the Common Preventers of Growth. So you want to check that out um, because you have to, in order, f- in order for you to understand sort of the solutions to your problems, you need to identify your problems. And so we went on a previous podcast, we went through that and now said today, I asked John uh, to talk about some of the, uh, into the sort of into the weeds about um, how to then solve some of these problems for, you know, sort of narrowing the, the gaps uh, of growth. Um, and so, John, just for just like a two-minute intro, um, in case for the, for the new listeners to this particular episode, uh, can you just give them a background of Extraordinary Financial Advisor Coaching Company, um, what it's all about?
0: Yeah, I've been an advisor, like many of you, for most of my career. Started in the late 90s and uh, grew a practice from scratch and Uh, built to the point where I needed to develop other advisors to help, where I recruited other advisors, I acquired other practices. And along the way, I got really excited about helping other financial advisors grow their businesses. And I got so into it, I sort of got out of my practice and now I'm completely out of it. Uh, sold the last bit of it in 2017. So um, we've grown our coaching business much like a practice, and have a bunch of coaches that are ex advisors. They've they've been through you know all the growth paths, and they're also passionate about helping others grow their business and through the you know different breaking through the different glass ceilings that exist and going to the next level of this business.
1: Well, thank you very much. So. Uh, again, in our, in our previous episode, we identified some of the uh, common preventers of growth. Now we want to talk about solutions to overcome the gaps, right? And mm-hmm. you, you sort of identified um, uh, before the call sort of three three different areas. So um, if you want to just focus on, on each one of them, and then we'll just see where the conversation takes us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say working with lots of practices for lots of years and, and being in your shoes for everyone that's listening, I would trace the single most important part of this business is the client experience. What is it like to be a client of your firm? If you think about a foundation of your house, the foundation of a big building like the Freedom Tower in downtown Manhattan, the foundation is really strong for a big house, for a big building. I would relate the client experience to the foundation. Those practices that have a strong one are able to build much higher. Those that have a weak one, it's going to crumble and the cracks are going to show at some point. So, you know, one of the biggest parts of the client experience is client contact. And every single survey in our industry of clients, every single one, the number one thing clients say is, I wish I heard from my financial advisor more often. The number one thing every time. And so a um, lot of practices in our industry just don't have a great service model or they think it's enough, but it's not. And unfortunately our industry gets a pretty bad rap, right? I mean, our industry is thought of as, well, these advisors just make a lot of money. They charge people a lot, but they don't really do much. And so uh, you know, unfortunately that is the case for the masses. The really, really good ones have graduated from that. They're surpassed that, they're not in that club They are creating an awesome experience. And I'll tell you the one way to know if your experience is good enough. If you continually receive unsolicited referrals from your clients, that your experience is so great, they just tell people about it without you doing anything. Never asking, never putting on an event, never doing anything. They just come to you because the quality is so great. It creates demand. Then you know you have a great client experience if you're not receiving those unlimited referrals coming in which is most people in the industry then know that there's more to go to build a stronger foundation in your client experience.
1: And that's an interesting thought, right? Because if you don't have a good client experience, how do you know how do you know how to put together a good client experience? Like how do you identify that? Because if you clearly haven't in the past. So how do aside from hiring a good coach to help you identify maybe that was a sort of a <laughs> Softball type question. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to go that way. But, but how do you know? How does that advisor who who does struggle with their client experience, um, and now they've identified it, like what are the things that they should do to start thinking about how to improve that client experience? There's got to be steps that they they go through.
0: Absolutely. I think the first step is uh, client segmentation. So really organizing. You know, maybe two or three or four different segments of your clients. So in most practices, there's, you know, a small number of clients that produce most of the revenue and there's a whole lot of clients that don't. I find the typical practice, the bottom half of clients produces low single digit percentages of the revenue and they don't even realize it. So I would really, you know, this tool client segmentation is a great way to control the client experience because look, those bottom half of clients, they probably don't need you as much. And like we talked about last time, you should really look in the mirror and question, should you even be working with these people? You're probably losing money working with the bottom half of clients. But you look at your you know, top 10%, top 20%. Now we're talking, that's where a lot of revenue comes from. So, You can't be everything to everyone, but the small number of people at the very top of your book, that's where we want to do more. So we're not doing more with everyone. We're doing more with the small people at the top of your book. What you're already doing might fit for your middle tier of clients, which is just fine. But it's its a concept of shifting your time and energy in the same percentage as your revenue. So more time and energy at the top where more revenue comes from, less time and energy at the bottom where not much revenue comes from.
1: So that's sort of like the Pareto the Pareto principle, right? The 80-20, yeah. right? And so if you're, you know, 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your clients, uh, you should be focusing 80% of your, your efforts on that 20% and that'll drive the 80% of your revenue, right?
0: It, it really is. And, and so there's a... You know, self limiting belief I hear a lot, well, you know, I can't let go of that bottom tier. You know, they produce a certain amount of revenue, but um, you just look at the opportunity with the top. You know, you go back to some of the growth fundamentals that we'll talk about in the next uh, uh, podcast. You can do more business at the top. And oftentimes just a small number of clients doing a little bit more with you, one or two clients duplicated to the top of your book, they replace like the bottom half, bottom two thirds in some cases. And it's amazing how you can produce you know, the same or more revenue with a lot less clients and a lot less work. So controlling that, what you do with these different segments is key. Most practices kind of do the same thing for everyone. They kind of have like the same, we talk to clients X amount of times, this is what we do, but it's kind of you know spread across the board. And, and by accident, what happens is your client experience gravitates to the mean. So without intending it, your middle-sized client is what your services end up being designed for. And if you are getting any referrals, they're probably in the middle of your book and not at the top of your book. So you want to design your services, focus more on the top people in your book, really build everything for them, and then have like a diet or watered down version at, at other levels.
1: Interesting. So you you mentioned um, operate like a dentist. <laughs> um, what do you mean by that? So...
0: You know, think about, oh, hopefully everyone listening goes to the dentist regularly, and think about how much time you spend with the dentist. It's usually the least amount of time you spend with people that are there. They might tinker around and check things out and say, things look good, we'll see you in six months. Now, they get involved if there's something heavy duty to do. That, okay, we've got a root canal, for example. That's a much higher level uh, you know, higher dollar per hour tasks that goes on in the practice. So they're heavily involved in that, whereas other people in their practice are handling more of the, you know, medium level, you know, task and uh, small level tasks. So it's an example of segmentation, right? They're doing more time at the top where more of the revenue comes from they're, you know, protecting themselves from the other levels and some grow a business where they bring in maybe another dentist, a newer, uh, less veteran dentist that might work with some of the smaller clients that just don't have a lot of need. So it's a, it's a great model, you know, doctor's office. I like dentists because people tend to go there more regularly. It's a great one to learn from for us. So, um, you know, we can talk a little bit more about what goes on in different segments and practices. And then I've got a really uh, neat practice structure that's catching on um, that can really help kind of structure like a like a doctor's office. But, um, but let, let's talk about some of the tiers, like what's going on. Like, what yeah, I, I was going to say,
1: so you actually sounds like to me you, you have not only do you work on tiers and I want you to get into what you recommend tiers on. Yeah. But then you're also. Saying that the the, the 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 advisor, so let's just say in, in this practice, it's one advisor that they're also tiering what they're doing for those clients themselves. So because there's the team that services the whole book, right? But then there's the interaction between the financial advisor and the different levels of clients are going to be different as well, right? Got right. It. so so let's so talk about that. Yeah, what it, it
0: really comes down the frequency. Right. It's, it's more time at the top, less time at the bottom. This, um, this particular book, Supernova Advisors, one of my favorites by Rob yeah. Knapp, who's a good friend of ours. Um, Rob was the typical advisor who was really good at bringing in clients, not the best at servicing them, and a whole bunch would leave the back door. So he'd bring in 30, 40 million, but lose 25 out the back door. And he realized, I'm just, you know, this isn't a great way to operate here. Maybe right. I should do something
1: different. Or the hamster wheel.
0: Yeah, it really was. So he went to a lot of his top clients and just asked them, you know, what would you want if I worked with less people like you? What would you want? And all of them said, we just want to hear from you more often. If there's a month where our statement's down, we just want to know, should we be worried? Should we be doing anything? We just want to hear that from you and not wonder for months between getting the bad statement and when we see you again, what the heck's going on and what we should do. So uh, Rob developed this system of servicing clients called 1242. So 12 meant that he actually had monthly interactions with clients. So these all these weren't like long meetings. Most of these were just couple minute two to five minute phone calls. very short. The four in 1242 was four times a year he was holding financial planning conversations, which he learned that's at the end of the day, that's what people really wanted. In the two, was two of those interactions were in person so i ran this when i was in practice i learned this um book probably came out about 2010 so i, I learned about this uh, a little bit after and ran it in in my practice we probably ran it the last five years that, that i was in practice and uh, i tell you i actually spent less time throughout the year with our top tier because we took what we were already doing of seeing clients we, we saw them typically four times a year we sort of stretch it out over the year in this 1242 2 model. I actually calculated, I was in, you know, calls or meetings with clients less time throughout the year than my old model. However, clients reported it was so much better because it was more frequent. It's all about the frequency. So when we talked, we got out of the way, you know, what's going on with the kids and, and those kind of things. We had that. So when we sat down, it wasn't a let's catch up on life. We Uh, were already pretty in tune. So that one hour meeting suddenly became 30 minutes because we had already had a few interactions. So the time to service them became less, but they loved it. Now, the next level of this is bringing different interactions. It's not the same phone call every time. Hey, how you doing? Well, the market's doing this, your account's doing that. It's bringing value every conversation. So every time it was a little bit different, there was a different theme throughout the year that really kept it interesting. So very you know, high frequency, varying what's talked about throughout the year, that was the ultimate client experience. So this isn't for everyone. This is like your top 10 clients, maybe your top 10%, get this level of supernova advisor kind of um, interactions. And then all that we did is we just said, okay, for the next tier down, they're gonna get half. So they're gonna get like a, a 621 instead of 1242. Um, our bottom tier got a quarter of what the top tier was, you know, which was half of what the middle tier was. So that was a way we were able to control, you know, segments and uh, usually organizing this by, you know, revenue per client is a little bit easier than AOM because some of them you might have like a really huge AOM client that doesn't produce a lot of revenue, Um, current revenue or revenue potential, Let's say you have a client that only has a little bit with you, but they got you know a few million in a 401k that can roll over the next couple of years. Well, you, know, you might want to treat them as if they already have that with you. But revenue really helped us with what segment should somebody be in and to really give an extraordinary service level at the top, which is where we wanted our services to be, to be designed for, where we wanted our referrals from. And it really worked those clients stayed around. They did more business with us. They added more assets. they were willing to pay more. They referred us like crazy, which was awesome. Our time was really contained with the middle tier and it was like very minimal, the bottom tier. Now the bottom tier is like, like kids of clients, like people tied yeah. to you know your top clients that just, you should have a way to accommodate
1: them. Did you, when you rolled this out back in the day, did you articulate to your clients?
0: Yeah, I totally messed up when I rolled this out because, uh, I said, I was yeah, really excited about it. I said, this will be awesome. We're going to talk to you every month. And they said, no, we're just fine with what we do. Right? <laughs> going back to humans don't like too much change. So we actually just started to do it. So we would just, you know, reach out to them or then it became, hey, can we just schedule five minutes with John? He just wants to reach out to you um scheduling these interactions was helpful otherwise you get in a vicious match of phone tag which is you know waste your time and you know even worse the client's time which you don't want to do
1: you so, had your assistant schedule them so you had somebody reach out to would, all your clients yeah and, and they schedule would them. schedule
0: multiple out in advance and so it'd be same bad time same bat channel that hey 10 o'clock on a tuesday you tend to be available about you know we just do the quick phone call then and times a year, you'll come in the office, and it'll be a little bit longer. So, whole year um,
1: out, or did you do six months, ninety days?
0: It's a good question. We wanted to do as far as possible, like every year, do recurring meetings, and it just varies for some clients. So I got a really high network client said, "I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow." You're on the wild business, and he just didn't know. Some people were very regimented. They're like, "Yeah, can we schedule the next ten years like this?" This is awesome. So it kind of varied. Um, you'd have to ask our operations people about that. I have no idea. They made it happen. I just showed up and talked to people, which is a dream in a practice. But uh, at least six months or a year in advance worked because it was like the same time for our top people. And then the other clients we did traditional, we just kind of fit them in uh, around the large ones. But that system
1: worked awesome. And you had your support staff um, sort of present, you knew like in the meetings, uh, so the calls are probably not, you don't really have to prepare too much for those. Um. Yeah,
0: we, exactly. There wasn't a lot of work. It was, it was easier things. The prep work was more in the meetings. So um, I would say over about a six month period, we had our top clients kind of assimilated to this. And so then I asked them, Hey, what did you think? How, how did we do over the last six months servicing And They said, Oh my gosh, it was awesome we feel like we're so in touch. There's so many great things going on. And I just say, hey, can we continue this? Does this work for you? And they loved it. But um, you know, imposing a change on clients never works. You got to kind of ease them into it, but it's a small number of people, right? It's a small number of your top clients. So it's not that much work. And then you just got to wean yourself off the time with the smaller clients or find a different solution with some of
1: those. Awesome. So, um... I guess sort of in in the interest of time, you know, how do they, how does someone get in contact with you? How do they start this process, right? About segmenting. Um, What are the, what are the few things that someone should, I guess, really just basically look at to find out whether they, whether this is going to work for them or not. Like what are those key things that you then you say to an advisor, but if you have a new advisor coming to you as a client, you must ask him certain things, um, to make them think about their practice.
0: Yeah, we do some assessments initially to help un- uncover some of this, but a great you know, action for anybody is look at your segments. You might have a report from your firm that kind of lists clients and, and revenue, or you need to do a quick spreadsheet and kind of calculate that um, and really identify tiers. Um, look at, you know, the bottom half is probably a tier, you know, that next 30 to 40% is probably a tier Then that top, you know, 10 to 20% is probably your upper tier. So just play with that. Find like a line in the sand number that, okay, my upper tier is 10 million or, or, uh, Uh, 10,000 in revenue plus kind of thing. My middle revenue tends to be 5,000 to 10,000. That can kind of help you. So just everyone's practice is different. Everyone's book is different. But just look there. It's a great starting point. And then we want to find ways to do more at the top, reduce time at the bottom. It's a great simple process. You know, from a structure standpoint, you know, just real quick, this diamond team structure is working awesome to implement that dentist office kind of approach where, um, you basically, instead of the one-on-one advisor, one client approach, a diamond team is you're surrounding the client with multiple advisors. So that's where you can really have like dental hygienists or another advisor who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting with the client. You can have a newer advisor who can do easy things like a market update or something like that. Do um, you run in 1242, 2 Like, some people could handle different interactions. It doesn't all have to be that advisor who's sort of on second base at the top. So they can act more like the dentist, be heavily involved with the top clients, you know, be on call for a, a root canal if there's something big, like a big rollover, a big opportunity uh, kind of happens. Great structure to do it. So yeah, all, all this this the stuff, you know, we help advisors with all day, every day, how to You know, get their segmentation in order, what they should really be doing. Um, You know, it's possible a better or different practice structure might work for you. And some are big teams like, you know, Cut and Wealth, they have many diamond teams working within their. Uh, practice, they're actually able to handle a much higher volume per client. So instead of like 160 client max per advisor, you know, a diamond team can handle like 500 high level clients. So instead of that 1.5 to, you know, really million to 1.5 million sound barrier, a diamond team can handle probably three and a half million, we're finding of revenue. So it's a great thing to grow into. If you have a larger practice, it's a great thing to structure, you know, possibly multiple diamond teams you know, within your business to really create that high level of experience and, you know, create great capacity, train other advisors, all kinds of benefits to it. Plus it's a pretty profitable model too.
1: Which is the end game, right? Ultimately you want to serve serve your clients, but, um, you know, this is not a 501c3 business. So you want to try to generate some revenue. Um, Awesome. So, if they, if, uh, if the listeners want to get involved in this and they're looking for someone to help them with this, what's the best way to get in touch with you besides for the website on your, uh, on your,
0: you go to our website or you can, uh, just email me J O N at XFA.coach is my email. You could catch me directly. And, uh, We've got, you know, tons of capacity to help advisors. Again, we're really passionate about it. We have a lot of ex-advisors that uh, enjoy doing this too. Some have sort of retired, some retired really young, some moonlight on the side and do some of this work. So uh, we just love helping people. But go to our website,
1: xfa.coach,
0: or just email me directly. I'm happy to uh, to communicate with you john at xfa.coach.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot. And I uh, I look forward to that. That was a lot. That was tremendous. Um, I think that's... Um... Over the years, the most successful advisors that I work with um, all have client segmentation. They all have gone through this and they all say, once we implemented this, our business grew exponentially. Um, yeah. And so you have to just be honest with yourself to figure out how you're going to do it. What do what you want the service to look like? Make sure your team is on board. Um, and if people aren't on board, you need to find people that are on board. So, um, <laughs> John, thanks for uh, thanks for this uh, this time. I'm um, forward to our next podcast again for the listeners. Uh, this is a three-part series. Um, the next one, we're, really, I mean, that was tactical, and that was really getting into the weeds. Um, the next one is going to be really about even more tactical growth strategies um, away from client segmentation. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks a lot. It'll be great, Frank. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.